So when I was a kid, we used to play uh, something called marbles. Now, some of you young people, you don't know what marbles are. Marbles are these, uh, these small, circular, solid objects. And what you would do is, um, they would come in various sizes. There was the mini ones, there was the regular ones, and in Hawaii, we called them the bambucha marbles. You guys call them bambucha marbles in the mainland too? Or giant marbles. We called them bambucha marbles. They were huge bambucha marbles. And so, what, we, what you would do is you would, you would um, get in the dirt, and, and you would try to hit your opponent's marble. And your opponent would try to hit your marble. And, and whoever hits uh, the, the marble of the opponent first wins. It gets to take that marble home. It's pretty cool. And so I remember um, I remember I was in Kauluwela Elementary School. I still remember it. Kauluwela Elementary School. And it was in the fourth or fifth grade around there. And the bully of the school... His name is Kalei. Kalei would, came up to me and he goes, Hey, brah, I like to see your marbles. I'm like, oh, man, I'm in trouble. And so I'm trembling. I'm like, here, here's my marbles. And so he sorts through my marbles. And then he picks this marble and he says, Hey, brah, I like to play you for this marble. And I'm like, oh, dude, this is like my favorite marble in the world. And so he wants to play me for this marble. And so I'm like, oh, man, okay. And so we get in the dirt. And there's different techniques to, to, um, to, sh- to shoot your marble, right? There's um, the technique where you, you aim and you kind of boom and you, you hit the marble. There's another way where, where you put the marble here and you kind of flick it with your thumb and it kind of rolls and hits the other marble. But I would say that my technique is always, has been, will be, and will always be superior. It was called Operation Sniper. And you, you, you won't believe it. You, you use this finger and you aim. And then you use this finger and you fire. And man, when I deploy Operation Sniper, look out, man. And so, so, we, so, so the game is heating up with this bully of the school. His name is Calais. And we're in the dirt. And, and he's throwing his marble. He's rolling his marble. And then I see an opportunity to deploy Operation Sniper. And so I aim. And I fire. And oh, bang, the sweet sound of my marble hitting his marble. Crack. And I win. I'm like, yeah, I win. Of course, I don't say it out loud, right? He's the bully of the school. Oh, yes, I win. And he goes, hey, brah. We go play junk in a pool for your marble. I'm like, wait a minute, dude. I just want square and fair. What's wrong with that? And so I'm like, okay, junk in a pool for the marble. And so the first to three wins. And so we're playing junk in a pool. I can't show junk in a pool. One, two, and three. I get three. I win. I'm like, dude, I win. (laughs) Yeah. And he goes, bruh. He goes, last point win. We're not take all. I'm like, wait, what? I just won. I won fair and square, dude. And he's like, we're not take all, bra. I'm like, oh, man. And so then, so we play this final junk and a pole, right? And everything is going in slow motion. Junk. Can. Not. Pole. And, and he does this. He's like, dude, I win. I'm like, what is that? He like, He's like, that's God. No one can be God. I win. And he grabs my marble and he walks away. I'm like, dude. And I was sitting, I was standing there stunned thinking, 
What's up with that? <laughs> what happened there? <laughs> this morning, we are continuing our series on the heroes of the Old Testament. And the hero that I've chosen, chosen this morning is none other than God. You see, Calais got it right. He didn't get much of anything else right. <laughs> I hope he's not listening to this podcast. Maybe I hope he is listening, man. You know what? He, he can try to take my marble again, but he won't, he, he won't be able to handle this, man. <laughs> Bam! Man. Oh, take him out. No, I'm just kidding. We actually, we grew up really good friends after that. So Kalei and I, we're, we're good. We're good. As you can see, I still have some childhood unforgiveness issues, but that's okay because we're all in work in progress, right? Amen. <laughs> um, but Kalei, he got it right. Kalei, he understood that God is huge. That God is big, that God is vast, that God is great, that is, God is mighty and powerful, that there is none like God. And sometimes I need to be reminded of just how great our God is. And when I need to be reminded of just how great our God is, I often go to Genesis chapter 1 just to remind me of how great our God is. And this morning, I want you to listen to Genesis chapter 1. As you listen to Genesis chapter 1, I want you to take note of just how huge, how big, how great, how awesome, how mighty, how powerful our God is. In fact, Genesis chapter 1 is one of my most favorite passages of Scripture in all of the Bible. And in fact, it's one of my favorites so much so that a few years ago, I memorized Genesis chapter 1, so I'd always have it with me in here and in here. And this morning, I'm going to try and recite. I, don't, I hope I get it. I'm going to try and recite Genesis chapter 1 in your hearing. And again, as I recite Genesis chapter 1, I'd like you to consider how big and how huge and how vast and how great and how powerful our God is. Genesis chapter 1, beginning in verse 1, goes something like this. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. God separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. And God said, Let there be a dome in the midst of the waters. And let it separate the waters from the waters. So God made the dome and separated the waters that were under the dome from the waters that were above the dome. And it was so. God called the dome sky. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. And God said, Let the waters under the sky be gathered together into one place and let the dry land appear. And it was so. God called the dry land earth. And the waters that were gathered together he called seas. And God saw that it was good. 
Then God said, Let the earth put forth vegetation, plants yielding seed, and fruit trees of every kind on earth that bear fruit with the seed in it. And it was so. The earth brought forth vegetation, plants yielding seed of every kind, and trees of every kind bearing fruit with the seed in it. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening, and there was morning the third day. And God said, Let there be lights in the dome of the sky to separate the day from the night. And let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And let them be lights in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth. And it was so. God made the two great lights. The greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. And the stars, God set them in the dome of the sky to give light upon the earth. To rule over the day and over the night. And to separate the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good. And there was evening and there was morning the fourth day. And God said, let the waters bring forth swarms of living creatures and let birds fly above the earth across the dome of the sky. So God created the great sea monsters and every living thing that moves of every kind with which the waters swarm and every winged bird of every kind. And God saw that it was good. God blessed them and God said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the waters in the sea and let birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning the fifth day. And God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures of every kind, cattle and creeping things and wild animals of the earth of every kind. And it was so. God made the wild animals of the earth of every kind and the cattle of every kind and everything that creeps upon the ground of every kind. And God saw that it was good. Then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the wild animals of the earth and over everything that creeps upon the earth. So God created humankind In his image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the over every living thing that moves upon the earth. God said, See, I have given you every plant yielding seed that is upon the face of all the earth. And every tree with seed in its fruit, you shall have them for food. And to every beast of the earth, and to every bird of the air, and to everything that creeps on the earth, 
everything that has the breath of life. I have given every green plant for food, and it was so. God saw everything that he had made, and indeed, it was very good. And there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. You know anyone else that can do that? You know anyone else that can create the heavens and the earth in six days? Isn't that like crazy? Isn't that like amazing? Hmm. There's nothing like our God. The bigness and hugeness and vastness and greatness and power of God is beyond our comprehension. And what blows my mind even more than that is this. Is that this God, this big and huge and powerful and mighty God, who in my mind I think he probably has some things that he's busy doing. Like maybe organizing the universe That this big God would want to spend time with you on a personal, intimate, one-on-one basis. That blows my mind. That is like crazy amazing. Why would God want to do that? Why would God want to spend time with you and me? I just don't understand it, but he does. This big God loves you so much. This huge God can't get enough of you. This vast God so enjoys spending time with you. This great God delights in you. This powerful and mighty God takes pleasure in you. Now I want us to consider Jesus in all of this. How does Jesus fit into all of this? Think about this with me. In John chapter 1, verse 3, the apostle John, this disciple whom Jesus loved, he writes about Jesus. And listen carefully to what John writes. John chapter 1, verse 3, he writes this about Jesus. He says, All things were made through Jesus. And without Jesus, nothing was made that was made. If I'm reading that verse correctly, what it's saying is that Jesus was present in Genesis chapter 1. If I'm reading that verse correctly, what it's saying is Jesus was present in creation. And not only was Jesus present, Jesus was an active agent in creating the universe. The Apostle Paul says something very similar. Listen to what the Apostle says in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16. He says this. He says, For by Jesus, all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers. All things were created through Jesus and for Jesus. Jesus. 
If I'm reading that verse correctly, what it's saying is that Jesus was present in Genesis chapter 1. Jesus was present in creation. And not only was Jesus present, but Jesus was an active agent in creating the universe. That's important. That's powerful. You know what amazes me even more? It's that this Jesus, who was present at creation and an active agent in creation, is the same Jesus that is full of compassion for you and for me. What, it, what is amazing to me is that this same Jesus who was present and who was an active agent when God said, let there be light and there was light, is the same Jesus that is slow to wrath and slow to anger toward you and me. What is amazing to me is that this same Jesus that was present and an active agent when God set the sun, moon, and stars in its place is the same Jesus that abounds in love for you and for me. What is amazing to me is that this Jesus who was present and an active agent in Genesis chapter 1, in all his power, in all his splendor, in all his glory, is the same Jesus that died a painful, brutal, and humiliating death on the cross for you and for me. That's amazing love. Listen to what Philippians chapter 2 says about Jesus and his death on the cross. It says this. It says, Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a servant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I don't know what you've done. I don't know where you've been. I don't know what you're ashamed of. But this I know. That our huge, big, vast, mighty, and powerful God loves you, loves you, loves you more than you know. He loved you so much that he died a painful, brutal, humiliating death on the cross as a ransom 
of peace.